0: The reading is taken from Luke 15, verses 11 to 31. The parable of the lost son. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger man, younger son got together all that he had and set off for a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, "'How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? "'And here am I, starving to death.' Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the elder son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what was going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf. You, you killed the fattened calf for him? I'm sorry, I've lost it. Um. Oh, uh, no, your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The elder brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks.
1: Oh, what a relief! <clears throat> Who's longing to be able to sing without these wretched things on our mouths? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's a great privilege when Rupert, to be here, when Rupert announced me at the beginning, I thought, who on earth's that chap that he's talking about? Didn't recognize myself, really. We have always looked up to Rupert and Liz as our examples to follow, definitely, definitely. Um, <clears throat> I um, have been in this church a number of times for a number of different occasions, but probably the most... Uh, memorable one in my mind was when our son Harry got married in this church uh, about 16 years ago and whereas most churches battle to get rid of their pews and you won that battle I don't know how many years ago when our future daughter-in-law came and looked at the church said do you think we could put the pews back because she wanted to have a grand entrance and to march down the middle of the pews and gladly she didn't get her request it was a wonderful occasion, we absolutely loved it. Now you're very, very familiar with this story. You were probably before the last two weeks, but even more so having looked at this story for two, now two weeks in a row. And You've looked at the two sons, and tonight, oh, not tonight, today, it won't be, I'm not going to speak that long, um, it's going to be the father that we're going to look at. Um, I have to say, it's my favorite parable of all. I just, you know, I can't get enough of it. I love reading it again and again and again, because it's so powerful, I think. But it's in the context of three stories, as I'm I'm sure you've been told. Uh, Three stories about things being lost and things being found. Each starts with a certain amount of despair and desperation, frustration, disappointment, and each ends with joy and celebration. With the sheep, that was lost away from home. With the coin, it was lost at home. And in a way, that is two pictures of the two sons. One was lost away from home, and one was lost at home. So it's the, we know it as the prodigal son. It could be the two lost sons, or it could be the lost son, or the lost sons. Or probably, you could just call it a dysfunctional family. It's probably the easiest way of describing it. But God is in the business of searching for and finding the lost jesus says later in luke for this for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost this is a story about israel about the church and also about ourselves and i want to see what we can learn about god the father from this story and uh, learn about ourselves as we go And there are a number of different characteristics of the father I want to look at from this story. First of all, he is a loving and generous father. We have the story of the younger son coming to want to get his share of the inheritance uh, early. And so he's effectively saying, I wish you were dead. I want my share now. And that must have caused a lot of heartache and sadness to the father. But the father amazingly shows his love to the son by agreeing and letting the son go. I mean, He must have brought him up to know the laws of the Lord and and how to live a good life, but he allows him to go and he must have grieved inwardly as he said goodbye and saw his son wander off gleefully full of all the cash that he had been given. He had to give him his freedom to choose and he gives us the same freedom, he gives us the same free will, risking our rejection. Because it, the only way he could know our love is genuine is by giving us a choice to go or stay, to love or reject love. And his nature is not to enforce compliance and obedience, because he wants us to choose to love him in response to his love for us. So he's a loving and generous father, he's a waiting father. He is prepared to wait for his son to return. It may be that his son would never come back, but he was still wanting to wait. Isaiah 30 says, The Lord is still waiting to show his favor to you so he can show you his marvelous love. He waits to be gracious to you. He was prepared to wait, but he was also prepared to look. Every day he would go out into the fields and he would be looking perhaps waiting for his son to come to the end of his self, to hit rock bottom, to come to his senses. The sheep, the shepherd goes out to find the sheep. With the coin, they search around the house. But here he is waiting and looking. Father scanning the horizon, hoping, longing. How many years must he have done that? How long would it have taken him, the son, to spend all his money and then finally one day he sees this bedraggled, tiny figure shambling along. He says, could it be? Could it? Could it really be? Yes, I think it is. And so filled with compassion, i are told, and excitement, he runs. So we come to the running father. The only thing I could think of uh, to, to sort of illustrate this in my own life is probably when a child returns from gap year you know they may have been away a whole year or so and you're waiting at the airport hoping they haven't missed the tr- the plane and waiting at the, the you know the arrivals and out they come and then you run to get, give no words are needed at that point just a huge great hug but this father running was it was a reckless outrageous act it was undignified a person in his position just did not run this may seem normal to us, but it was not normal then. Because by, to run, he had to lift up his robes, he showed his legs, and that was not done. But it perhaps, in a funny sort of way, reflects the indignity of the cross, where Jesus was humiliated that we might be rescued and restored. But maybe there's another reason I discovered, that there's this strange ceremony called Kazaza, where by the community, when one of the Children go off and squander their wealth in a gentile land and come back again. The whole community comes out to perform a, a, a ceremony of ostracization and cutting off, and they illustrate this by having a, a, a pottery jar which they smash on the ground to signify the breaking of the relationship. And maybe the father was aware that there were people watching, and he didn't. He wanted to be the first one there. He didn't want them doing this strange ceremony, the original council culture ceremony. And instead he throws his arms around him and kisses him before the sons even managed to get out his little prepared speech. The son thought the best he could thought he could be was be a servant. But he's greeted straight away as a son. Now have I got any illustrations on the to put up? Have you got any oh look here we go. This is the Rembrandt painting of The prodigal. And I think I love it because there's this tenderness in the father's embrace. Second one. This is Charlie Macassy's sculpture of the same thing. And what strikes me about this is the utter, completely the flopping of the of the son's arms. He's been completely held up by the father. And to me, that is a picture of God. When we're completely unable to stand, he holds us and he lifts us up. We can have those off now. Just imagine the scene. He's, this son arrives back. He's been looking after pigs, which of course was anathema to Jews. He, he would have been very smelly, he would have been in rags. But the amazing thing is, the father doesn't require him to have a bath first, he gets him to clean up later, I suspect. And it's, it's like us, we come with our mucky lives but, and I, we are accepted into the arms of our loving father. Then we get cleaned up. The most important thing here for the father was to restore the relationship. We would have gone, oh, go and have a bath. We would probably judge a bit and reprimand, rebuke. We would have a stern word with him and said, I hope you've learned your lesson, boy. But here we have a public display from the Father where he restores his son's sonship for all to see. And it's signified in what he calls for. He calls for the robe, the best robe. To me, that speaks of dignity and his position being restored. The ring, the signet ring, is a symbol of his uh, his sonship. And also, when he wears that ring, he has the authority of an heir. He has the authority of the father. And sandals. Only slaves ran around with no no shoes. So here he's giving him new sandals to wear. He's basically saying, this is my son. Do you all see this? This is my son. I am restoring my son here. And then he calls for a feast, which is a public declaration and celebration of his restored position. Fourthly, he's the gracious father. Only the father could have restored the son to full sonship in the family. And it's the same with us. As sinners, there's nothing we can do to restore our lost relationship with God. But a single repentant step back in his direction and he's off running to welcome us home. We're never too far away from his love. Whatever we've done, however we've messed up, Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. You are there. And he longs for us to know how great his love is for us. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. I wonder if he had the prodigal son in mind when he wrote that john newton i once was lost but now i'm found was blind but now i see the and and there's another song which says the overwhelming never-ending reckless love of god or brennan manning in his book calls it the furious longing of god he longs to put robes of righteousness on us, but more than that, to restore us to, to know how much he adores us. He's a patient father. Goes out to the, the older son as well, who's acting like a spoiled child and stamping his feet outside and refuses to come in. Was he right to be indignant, perhaps? seemingly done nothing wrong he's obviously quite a compliant chap but the lid comes off when his brother comes back this young brat who squandered your property remember it's actually the son's property that he's spent and the father pleads with him out of love he says everything i have is yours you're always with me but he's met with a hard heart full of self-righteousness and pride, resentful, angry, bitter, as much towards the father as towards the brother. His true feelings about the father come out at that moment. He calls him a slave driver. He's been living in servitude rather than relational love. He said, you never gave me a burger, let alone a prime steak like this son of yours. He insults him in public. He breaks the commandment to honour your father and mother. The older son really doesn't know his father and the father's true nature. We don't know. Did he go in? Did he join the party? Did he accept the father's outrageous love? Who knows? There is a lesson to be learned from that, and we need to learn to celebrate when we see God doing something amazing in someone else. The father says we had to celebrate because he was lost, he's found, he's dead. Now he's alive again. We rejoice with those who rejoice. The Pharisees were resentful of the sinners flocking to Jesus and being forgiven by him. Because they themselves didn't think they really needed God's forgiveness. They were too good. They had forgotten or perhaps never knew that they were actually loved by God. And thought they could earn his favor through what they did. <clears throat> There's that wonderful phrase in, in one of the stories uh, Jesus tells of those who are forgiven much love much. And I remember experiencing that in a strange sort of way uh, in Hong Kong when I was visiting Jackie Pullinger and one of her great celebrations. The, the celebration started with someone blowing the shofar, you know, the horn, the Jewish horn. And as soon as they blew the shofar, the whole crowd, and there was about 800 people there, started roaring, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And then praise just exploded. I've never experienced such praise like it. And as we were praising, I thought, what's wrong with us at home? Why don't we praise like this? What's, what's different? And then it occurred to me that the crowd was made up of ex-heroin addicts who had been saved and rescued and healed by Jesus they knew how much they'd been forgiven and how, what they'd been saved from. It was, for them, matter of life or death. So he's a loving, generous father, a waiting father, running father, gracious father, patient father. Finally, he's our father. Which son do you identify with, I wonder? Maybe neither. With me, I think I started off as a sort of regular churchgoer. But I had no relationship. I didn't know how much God loved me. I thought I had to behave to earn his approval. Uh, Then I went into a far country, as it were, where I rebelled and went off and did all sorts of things that I shouldn't have done. I didn't have the inheritance, though, to pay for it, which is a shame. (laughs) But I came to a point of desperation where I knew I desperately needed something to happen. And that was when I, with friends, prayed to be filled with God's Spirit. And suddenly there was a change in my life. I was turned upside down or right side up. My life completely changed because I suddenly discovered I was loved by Jesus and I didn't have to earn it. I had to change my life and my life was changed by his Spirit working in me and changing me as I went along. And all of us in one way or another have messed up and we need to admit our fault and to humble ourselves accepting God's love on his terms, not on ours. It's a free gift. We still perhaps think we have to earn it somehow by our service, devotion, uprightness, our behavior. But there's nothing we can do that will make him love us more and there's nothing we can do that will make him love us less. We need to remind ourselves that our home, our place of true belonging, is within the Father's embrace, a place of security, where we hear the Father say to each one of us, You are my son, you are my daughter, and I love you. We need to just, we need to every day receive His overwhelming love again. And perhaps during lockdown, this horrible last year, you might find you have drifted a little bit or become distant again from God. I think there are times when I have experienced that. Maybe you've just forgotten how much he loves you. And it's time to return to that embrace, to let him love us once more and to find again our true identity as children of God. Paul says, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. And one of my favorite verses from 1 John says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are.